This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Heather Bain. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that talks entrepreneurship with some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with Imad Gurgis, uh, the owner of Simply Bookkeeping. Imad, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mark. You actually got my name right. I always get your name. Hey, it only took always. a couple of times. What? <laughs> Imad Gurgis, I've been saying it that way forever. Have I gotten it wrong? Did you? No, no. Do I slightly pronounce it wrong too? Because I usually say Imad, but it's Imad, right? Or am I saying no. it wrong the second no. time? Yeah. Oh, is that what you're talking about, Imad? No, yeah. The Gurgis. Yeah. I got the Gurgis. Oh, Gurgis. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, have I been saying that? Well, it's All right, confidence then, now is what I'm yeah, okay. saying. Yeah, <laughs> shattered my confidence now. Uh, <laughs> Never and then, say it right again. Uh, we're also going to talk with uh, Tone uh, Gonzalez uh, from Tone Homes, uh, who's a regular on the show. Tone, yes, welcome sir. Back. Good to see everyone. Glad to be here. Um, as always in studio with us today is uh, Heather Bame. She is a certified business coach that works with business owners, including myself, to help gain clarity in, and achieve their goals. So, Heather, welcome back. Always good to be here. And, of course, I'm your host, Mark Ebinger, the owner of Krukus Marketing Agency, a, a company that really specializes in giving small businesses a competitive edge by hiring low-cost administrative and social media experts from outside the United States. A quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you're a business owner in the San Antonio area and like to have your company featured on the show, go to our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-960-8210. That's 210-960-8210, and we'll see about getting you on the show. It's a good time, right? A lot of business transpires here, too. Um, I mean, we just had Timmy Tickets and then a, a maid company, and they, they made a connection, just as an example, right? I like to see that. Even the turnover on the show, people will get to meet each other and uh, be like, well, what do you do? What do you do? And then pretty soon we've got business going. So mm-hmm. It's a good way to start the conversation and then keep it going outside of here. You know, networking is huge in business. Um, I, um, for years, I just started networking three years ago and I've been in business 27 years. So I didn't network before that. I did telemarketing, you know, we, Mm. we knocked on doors, um, didn't spend much in advertising, had a real sales based mind. And, uh, we got, we went out and found business. Um, it's so much easier to network. There's so many different underlying things that we need. I call it underlying need syndrome. And it, it, it comes out whenever it's whenever you just meet the right person. So I might not ever go in search of a business coach, but if I meet Heather, I might have a business coach tomorrow. You know, it's just weird how that, well, that works That trust out. factor comes very, very quickly, whether it's a handoff or just being around each other every week. We get to know each other. That's I mean, right. Imad, I see you pretty much every week, although you have been absent a few times. You need to stop that, by the way. Just take some <laughs> time off. Having a life. Yeah. How dare you? Uh, how dare you? I'm like looking for your mom. Where's your mom? No, I probably only missed one, but it just seems like a lot when you're not there. But uh, So networking, how did you fall into networking? And did you just say, hey, this is what I want to try? Or did somebody say, hey, you need to be doing this? How did that work? You know, I actually got very fortunate in the very beginning where I met someone as a, as a fresh bookkeeper. And they said, you know what? You need to try some of these groups. Uh, I got introduced to one client who was already in a group, and which was actually uh, B&I. And she said, hey, you've, you, you ought to try this group and, and see how you like it. And from there, I actually made a lot of great connections. And then I realized, okay, like this is it. You know, this is how you get introduced to people. And then building up connections, building up trust. And it ex- exploded from there. 
And Heather, you do a lot of networking as well. Where are you networking now? And how did, how did you get started in networking anyway? Um, well, I built up my real estate business cold calling, very much cold leads that I was yeah. a, I was good at, I was a little beast at cold calling. Um, but it, humble too. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm nothing <laughs> if not humble. But I was good at it, but I didn't enjoy it. it. I got really burnt out doing it. And so when I switched over to coaching and decided to do it full time, I went through this kind of existential crisis where I knew that I could be successful cold calling, but oh, I did not want to do that. And so I took you know, a few months of just working with my sphere and just kind of trying to figure out how it was going to lead generate. And I recognized that if I wasn't physically supposed to be somewhere, I wasn't going to do it because I just was that burnt out on cold calling. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to just start networking. So I Googled Chamber of Commerce (laughs) and I joined it pretty impulsively and it's worked out really well. I just started going to everything and it's kind of a trust process because you have to trust that doing this activity will pan out because it's not as immediate as cold calling. Cold calling, you're calling them for a reason. You want a sale. You want their product. You want them to, you know, feed into your business. But with networking, it's a lot more, hey, I'm just getting to know you. This is what I do. What do you do? How can I help? Um, so it takes longer, but then once the ball is rolling, it's so much more organic. It feels better. I enjoy it more. I actually do it. So that's, well, that's kind of how I got into it. And staying top of mind is actually something that the game that we're all playing. And Imad, you brought up something earlier how you come on the podcast quite often. And, mm-hmm. and I know you get the, uh, the video from the show and you guys yeah. use it over there. How's that working for you? Oh, it's been fantastic. Usually a lot of times when, uh, when folks want to interview you without actually interviewing you as a person, but your company, uh, they'll do a little bit of research. And when they find out, okay, you're popping up on Google, you're popping up on YouTube, you've got videos, you're doing podcasts, you're in front of other folks, they see, okay, these these people, this company is, is out there in society. They are mm-hmm. you know, making a change, they're making a difference. And so then they're more inclined to, okay, let's actually give them a call. It's not so much, okay, this company is, you know, we barely found them. We had to search five times mm-hmm. for that one company versus, you know, you search for it one time, then you find it in 10, 15 different spots. Then you know, okay, they're out there. So the videos, the content, it's extremely helpful because they also see you there as a person, not just, okay, you know, maybe it's just a page that talks about you. No, it's actually a physical video. Uh, of you, which has been incredible. And Tone, so authority marketing is what we're talking about here. It's mm-hmm. that it, you're an expert in your field, um, and people are seeing you not just saying, hey, buy my stuff, but they're seeing you as a an authority. SME, so a subject matter expert. If you can present yourself as a subject matter expert in whatever your field is, by the way, all you have to do to be a subject matter expert is present yourself. Like Nobody's going to find out whether you are or not. The truth is, whatever they see is what they believe, right? So uh, in this case, we're all awesome subject matter experts, right? But it's true. the truth is, is you, you know, the, it's it's more important to be known than it is to be good. Um, it's, yeah, McDonald's is a prime example of that, right? Because their food is awful, but they're branded. Very <laughs> they're the number one in the world. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's more it's more important to be known than it is to be. You can have the very world's best product, but who cares if nobody knows about it? And you can go home and be like, hey, I sleep really well at night because I do the most honest business and I'm the most straightforward person. Um, but yeah, uh, if you've only got a couple clients, I mean, what good it really, do you, are you really accomplishing the, the grand goal of serving humanity with your talent? That's being effective, not, 
not just being out there, but being effective mm-hmm. as well. Imad, you've grown quite a bit over. Tell me about your business curve since you started, and when did you start, and where, and like where you at now? Yes, yeah, definitely. So we started right around, safe, safe bet, right around the beginning of 2020, right, and here we are, 2023. So about three years later, um, first year, um, I will say, it took six months to find that first customer. Oh wow! Right, and that was extremely difficult, right? And then after kind of putting the word out there, the first customer got custom to it and then kind of started building out. The second year was really good. We started uh, figuring out, okay, now we need assistance. Now we need, you know, to uh, a small team. We've got to build out a small team with the amount of clientele that's coming in. So I think by second year was really a good chance to hone in on our systems and processes and get all of that figured out so that we can uh, take on a wave of new clients if that were to come, which by third year, a wave of clients did come. And when it comes, it comes right at you. So mm-hmm. that happened, you know, beginning of 2023, there was a huge flow of, of new clientele that came in. And fortunate enough, we had our systems and processes in place and the team to support it. And so when that came in, we were actually able to grow significantly. So right now from three years in, we're sitting at roughly um, almost 70 clients that we manage uh, their books for every single month and all their reports get sent out. And how much of that growth would you say is networking all of it? 100%. Oh, really? (laughs) Word of mouth. Word of mouth and um, a big key piece was the current clients, actually. So current clients, you know, if you do a good enough job and you're always there in front of them, kind of like networking. Like, yeah, you go to networking groups, which is awesome, but you can also network within the customers or clients that you already have. So if you're constantly in front of them as well, um, then then you're always in the top of their mind. It's so important to harvest your own fields. Right. Um, You know, asking your clients who they know or if they could give you an introduction or if they could just give you a list of numbers. You know... When I started in door-to-door sales at a specific company when I was younger, they were from Mexico. They didn't even speak English. And what they would do is you'd knock on the door to people who had window units hanging out of their windows. Mm-hmm. And you'd offer them the luxury of central air. You'd literally say, would you like the luxury of central air? Would you say it in Spanish? And they would give away a, a set of pots and pans, literal pots and pans. They'd give you a big old box. If you could give them 10 names of people who they knew that didn't have central air. And the pots and pan sets were costing $150, and this is in 1989. So that's a lot of money in 89. That's a good set of pots and pans. It's a good set of pots and pans. They bought a truckload of them from Mexico, um, and they gave them out to anybody who would just give them 10 names and phone numbers and as long as the numbers rang and it was the real number, they'd give you this pot, and they'd have to, we'd have to call them first. Our boss wouldn't let us do it unless we called them. But if we could verify the numbers were real, we'd give them this set of pots and pans, buy or no buy. But I'll tell you what, that company did $56 million in that year uh, from here, Laredo, all of the valley, not even speaking the language of the country, by giving away pots and pan sets and asking for 10 names of their friends. So if you can just imagine... That that is that's incredible. Well, that's a whole other story. It's a great story, but it's that's its own more story. effective than Google reviews. I would say yeah. it's crazy. Well, I mean, 
you know, I'm hiring a VA specifically right now. My, my One of my VAs that I've got working for me right now specifically is going to call and ask customers for referrals. That's mm-hmm. I mean, that's not their only job, but that's one of the duties of, of our outbound telemarketer. Because getting cold call lists in today's market, in today's world for telemarketing is super difficult legally and mm-hmm. uh, effectively. Um, it's hard to find good phone numbers in today's world. And even if you get a bunch of active numbers, the reception isn't great, meaning not not the, how your phone works, but the reception from the client is not great. People aren't really looking forward to it. Now, yeah, that's a good way to well, say people it. People hate getting yeah. phone calls in general. They're mm-hmm. like, why are you calling yeah. me? Yeah. Text me first. Text who is this? Me. What do you want? And then you say who it is. Then you pick up. Right. Yeah. And oh, I mean, God. the world has changed. Now, I still believe a lot in telemarketing for about four different demographics, and there's all these specifics as to why it works and so on, and it's a conversation of its own. I mean, it's still, I think it's still a valid, valuable approach to, to acquire customers. But the best thing that you could possibly do, the first thing that you do is you call your existing clients. You call and you send them out your uh, invitation for an Angie's review if you're a service company or a Google review if you're a bookkeeping company or a marketing company. Um, you know, a, a Yelp review invitation. And by asking them, now as soon as they, you say to a client, hey, would you mind giving me a Yelp review? I'm trying to move up on the Yelp ratings. I haven't talked to you in a couple months, but are you still happy? Yes. Would you mind just, uh, it's just real quick. You, you don't have to write anything. Just hit five stars for me. And that's all I need you to do. If they say yes, say no. But, but one other question. Um, do you, could you give me three names and three phone numbers of people that I could just introduce myself to and just say, hey, I know you and I did work for you and just let them know that I exist because they don't know that I'm here. And I've gotten a really good response from that. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's super honest, and I'll even tell them like, because like in our company, uh, we you know we have incentive programs and stuff, and we have competitions, and um, a competition that you should always have is getting leads. Like there should always be a lead generating competition. Mm-hmm. If it's three accountants this month, let's see who can bring in the most clients or have the most people come in. There's absolutely no downside to that competition. You should always have a competition some type of incentive to bring in more clients and bring in more leads. Um, it's the most important part of your business is getting business. So there you go. And that's B2C. And then in mod, you're on the business to business instead of business right. to direct consumer <laughs> side. So what does growth look like for you on that end? Are you calling your clients and asking for referrals or are you looking to just expand through networking? What does that look like for you? So currently, um, it is slightly seasonal. Um, a lot of folks figure out, okay, by the beginning of the year, it's time to probably start getting our things together or by December. However, we do like to do the follow-ups. So like, as I mentioned before, we always send out monthly reports. So mm-hmm. as we do those phone calls, say, okay, do you have any questions? You know, um, is everything going good so far? A lot of times they'll say, hey, by the way, you know, I've got so-and-so that's struggling. Can you help them? So very minimally do I actually have to ask. Now, the reason I'm not so much into it right now is because the amount of referrals and business that we are bringing in on a monthly is is kind of our comfortability level. Mm-hmm. It's kind of at our comfortability level right now. So I don't necessarily have to push so hard to kind of bring in 
uh, excess of leads. So that's why I kind of take it at a more Sounds like you're slowing approach. down your growth. Yeah, my, my equations are flying in my head right yeah. now. It's like, okay, then... Tone you, had a face. You, yeah, you've already got <laughs> this saw, far, yeah. right? So you've gotten this far. You saw how you did this. You see the growth uh, pattern. So you know how many clients you had to get and how much you had to do as a support team to support them, right? Mm -hmm. If you had a bundle of clients that are in the wings waiting, you can either replace the clients that you have with better value clients or increase the amount of hiring or have a hiring plan. Let's not say tomorrow, but for next year, you know, in your planning for next year. Okay, next year, let's talk about a growth plan as opposed to this. Everybody talks about organic growth, mm -hmm. right? And that's really what I call lazy growth, right? Because it's happening on its own, um, and it's great, and it's really, really great, like in your case, where you're kicking butt and taking names, and you've increased so much. And I guess it also has to do with your personal, professional, and financial goals. Mm -hmm. Where do you really want to be? I have a friend, we have a friend, who owns a big insurance company who has absolutely no interest in growing any more than it grows on its own because right. he has so many other interests, you know, and uh, girl soccer and travel and all these other things, right? Whereas his business is really set up to be a monster, a mega monster. I, every insurance policy I get from him, he saves me money. Every person I send to them, he saves them money. Every time people call him, he's the best referral to give in the world. He's super easy, really responsive. But he's not interested in him growing anymore. You know, I don't know how many zeros he has in the bank to feel that comfortable, mm -hmm. but whatever they are, he's satisfied with. So it, right? what are your growth plans? That's the thing. So, so our growth plans, and just to kind of lay it out, um, so... Currently, we hire one new person every three months. And that's just to sustain the current growth that we have right now. Okay. So another thing that we also have to factor in, and this is kind of one of our top company cultures, is quality. So yeah, can we grow a lot faster? I'm sure we can. But will it even put a slight risk in hindering the quality of our work? If it is, then I'll have to kind of just pull the reins back a little bit. So I always have to keep quality in the back of my mind. Now, I will say we it's not like we're, you know, we're the perfect business. We have it all figured out. We're always improving as we go. But a key piece that you just mentioned there is how to prepare and plan for next year. So in part of what we're doing right now is we're actually strengthening our team right now to sustain another big wave when it comes in from December through May. So although, yeah, we may be taking between five to seven new clients a month right now, um, if we kind of can build and strengthen the current team that we have now and the structure, more so the systems and structure, then we'd be able to take on 10 to 15 new clients a month when that comes in. Do you have a business coach? I have a couple, yes. Okay. Have you ever had a chat with Heather about it? <laughs> oh, Seriously. all the time. Okay, yeah, because all the time. that, yeah. you know, Having that extra set of eyes that says, hey, have you thought about this? Yeah. That's been helped. huge for me. And, Tone, we've had lots of conversations where it's like, I hadn't thought of that. But mm -hmm. being around those types of people that can give you a, a little bit of clarity to use. Yeah. I, you should trademark that word, by the way. Tra clarity. clarity. But clarity. I definitely invented it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but that's super because there may be things in your growth strategy that you hadn't thought of that – Having somebody take a look at that, like for Heather, for example. Well, and I think Tone touched on it slightly there, but the definition of success is a massively important factor here because it sounds like Imad's definition of success is having high quality while being able to sustain growth. So my thought when I'm hearing him say this is they're not focused on growth as much right now as they are and shoring up 
the foundation of their company to be able to handle massive growth in the that's future. Good way to say it. And that's so important because I feel like a lot of business owners focus on sales and growth and lead generation to the detriment of their operations to where they get to a point where, yeah, they've got all the sales in the world, but then that quality starts to dip and then they have to go focus on the quality. And in the meantime, they're getting bad reviews or they're not living up to a standard. So if you're able to, as you grow, because you're year three, you're focusing on the foundation so that Mm -hmm. in year 10, I mean, you're going to be unstoppable. Right. Well, I agree. And then also just something I'd add to that is that if quality is the focus, then um, you that's a quality control person or persons. Right. But that addresses that whole thing. So it's not something that the whole business has to focus around quality. You put in people that control the quality, and mm-hmm. then that puts a check mark on that. You can move on with all the rest of the stuff. A lot of times... It's, it's, it's like I learned this from someone else. It says never sacrifice, um, what did he say? Never sacrifice great for perfection. You might have been there. Howie, Howie gave a speech one time talking about this, and he talked about his website and how he was going to reset it, that they were going to re- relaunch it in January of, of uh, whatever year, 2020. And then it was not just ready, so they moved it back to April. And then something happened, and then they moved it back a little bit more. And then here we are the next year, and a good friend of his who is really an affluent businessman, really, really knows what he's talking about, says, hey, remember we were, because I guess he'd gotten his opinion about the website back in December of this year, of that first year. And he says, whatever happened to the website? He goes, well, we just, you know, we had some tweaks to do to it. He goes, man, the website you showed me is 10 times better than the website you have right now. And it did. It, to me, I would have known there was a single thing wrong with it. Yeah, right. And if you'd have just put it out a year and a half ago, you'd be done with it, and it would have been great. And he right. goes, "Don't oh, don't sacrifice greatness for perfection." Yeah, and to build on the quality point is mm-hmm. like for me, of course, I've been growing pretty steady, right? Well, I've got a whole layer of quality that I'm now implementing a specific position to keep an eye on quality and communication between the the client. And the VA, mm-hmm. because to Tone's point, it's like you keep moving, and then, or maybe it was your point, but it's yeah. like take care of that quality. It needs to be there, but it can be a position yeah. that you that it has roll to be. In. Every company has quality control, quality assurance. Every place that you go has us uh, has that in place. Yeah. But yeah. what happens is the owner. See, the problem with business owners or the people that are partners, the people at the very top. We feel like the only people that we can that can hold the quality standard are it's us. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, been there for sure. And that's <laughs> the one of the. I mean, literally, it's the biggest stopping point in business when you have a successful business. So, Imad, what do you about your business? What do you enjoy the most about doing your business? One thing I couldn't tell you, but a lot of things. So, the two main things is I enjoy thoroughly working with my team. It's always a blast. Two, I enjoy working with the clientele and just really educating and showing them, you know, an extra piece of knowledge that maybe they didn't know before. So to me, that comes with great reward when, you know, I show them something, we discuss it, uh, and it really kind of changes the route of their business or maybe some key decisions. You know, to that, that also makes me feel like, okay, you know, we've done a good job here. Um, We've actually been able to help someone and now they not only see the value, but now they see the value and they're out there, you know, putting our name out. That that alone shows how much, uh, you know, they appreciate us. And in return, that makes us feel good. And then like, not only myself, so, sorry to cut you no, off there. Right. 
Um, and, and I always, you know, share those uh, rewards or if you want to call it like feelings with the rest of our team as well. You know, if, if I have an assistant that's working with me on a specific client, they say, you know, so-and-so did a fantastic job or we're really satisfied. You know, I go and let her know, hey, by the way, you know, you've, you've done an incredible job. So-and-so says, you know, your attention to detail, your, your uh, time management on this specific task was excellent. You know, they really wanted to give you their appreciation. And so it makes them feel good as well. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a job or so, and they get paid for it. But it's always good to feel like you're part of something hey, bigger. You matter. That you matter. Mention her name exactly. now. You, uh, mention that person's name. Who is that that <laughs> right. you want to compliment? Yeah. Oh, no. So um, her name is Anne. So she, there you go. Good job, she's Anne. done an incredible <laughs> job so far. And she's relatively new. I will, yeah. I will put her say. On my, put her on my account. Yeah. Sounds like she's really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't ever say the last name. Can he name. do that? <laughs> yeah. So do you have like a, a specific example without using names and obviously, the, you know, the exact situation, but like kind of an example of what your team brings to the surface to where a business owner like myself would be like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad I'm using that your service because I'll tell you when, when he gives me my bacon. report in about a week and a half. <laughs> say again? I'll tell you what happens when because I've been using a certain accounting situation and I'm not not thrilled with. Uh, and I've hired Imad a few months back, and we're almost to where I'm going to get a report to find out how bad mine was compared to his. Oh, yeah. So I'll let you know what kind of aha moments we have. I'm <laughs> sure there's going to be some coming. Talk Wonderful. about clarity in business. But well, do you have I, an example? Of, yeah. Yeah. So clarify the question just so I can make sure I'm asking. Like, so as a business owner, I've hired your services, and you like educating me, mm -hmm. right, in, in something to make me go, oh, my gosh, I'm glad I was in a bad situation before. Now I've got a little bit more clarity in what I'm doing because of what you guys are doing. That's a kind of example. Like, yeah, yeah. Was it is a profit and loss? Is it where things are all messed up? Multiple so, companies. Perfect, perfect. So it it goes a little with how we have things structured. So, for example, let's say we'll take your business for example. We've got myself plus one assistant. Now we have that one assistant really assigned to your account. So it's never three or four different accountants that are working on your account. So the longer you stay with us, the more that assistant can have an, an, over, like an overview of your business and give you actual business um, analytics. So two, three, four months, maybe you've been with us two years, now we can start doing um, month, this month, compared to last year, same month, and then show you, okay, this is how you've progressed and then start show you actual analytics on your business. But that all comes with, you know, having that specific assistant plus that analyst on your account specifically. Well, and I know I, I have clients that work with a mod and half the time, I mean, I think you're still working on this one specific book, yeah. but I'll ask questions like, oh, which department generated the most revenue out of, out of all of them this quarter? And they're like, oh, we'll see once a mod's done, uh, getting everything organized so that kind of hyper clarity on yeah we've generated this much revenue but where did it come from which area of your business is it that is really driving that revenue and how does that affect your activity i mean that's massively valuable yeah i'm gonna hurt my accountant's feelings now i can tell you what doesn't matter <laughs> I, I um i'm gonna tell you when i when i in my brain in my vision when i started my company after coming from uh running another business uh, that we had before this, um, I said, I'm going to get a forensic accountant. I'm going to save every penny everywhere I can, and I'm going to incentivize my accountant to find money and save money. Mm. That was my goal. So 
uh, that was my goal. That's as far as that went, right? Because it, I got the person. Um, it never happened, and now I'm 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 I've been so dedicated to that, but I just never dedicated myself to it. Like it's something I wanted in my head. So that's where I have Imad work, and that's really what I'm hoping to do. See, have them break it down to the mid, to the most ridiculous numbers, and come in and find out little things where we can improve and save. Um, that's the goal I think of. That's what I dream of as a business owner. I've never seen it. Well, that's the thing. It happens so often because numbers, I mean, when when you look at it, it shouldn't be complicated, but then it starts to get complicated and everybody thinks they need to have an accounting degree to be able to use their business numbers or they should be smarter to be able to read these things that they're getting. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. If I get, like I was reading a report the other day and I'm looking at it and it was for a totally different thing, but I was like, this report's probably very useful. I have no idea what it's saying. I don't know what this data means. I don't know how to interpret it correctly. Therefore, this report is useless to me. Yeah. I need to learn how to read yeah. this report before it does anything for what I'm trying to do. And you know, Heather, you brought up a great point there. So there's a happy median between how we set up, and I don't want to get too deep into the accounting terms, but your chart of accounts is a great foundation for how things are set up. You want to set up, you know, as a bookkeeper and accountant, you want to set up the chart of accounts easy enough to understand by the client, but efficient enough for the accountant to be able to work off of at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So typically how we break things out is kind of tone like how you were saying, you've got different income streams, right? You want to put an account name to each income stream so that you know exactly where that income stream is coming from and how much it's, it's funding. So... Like you say, you know, if you get a report and you completely don't understand it, what good is the report, right? Mm -hmm. So it's always good to make sure, okay, having at least a simple session or a video recording and sending it out to the client to let them know this is exactly what you're looking for, this is how to understand it, and these are the different reports that you would look for or use to find exactly what you're looking for. Now, I want to switch gears just a little bit to so talk about uh, VA stuff. So, Tone, when we, we met each other, I don't know, it's been... I don't know, eight months ago or so. Seems like forever, Mark. And it does. Mm -hmm. Seems like a lifetime. Has it really only been eight months that you guys have known well, each other? I think I it know. was probably uh, December, that. January time frame. Somewhere in there. Somewhere, somewhere wow, we're in there. All fresh to yeah, we're all fresh other. to How say, yeah, for sure. So, and, and you got started, when did, so you hired your first VA not too long ago, and you're up to three VAs now. Mm -hmm. uh, I know one of them is kind of cross training into a, another division of another mm -hmm. company, but mm -hmm. um, so. When you got started with this, how has been your process of introduction to it, the concept, and then actually going through that process mm -hmm. and going from one to two to three? You know, I, I really, it's very tough to use me as an example because my very first VA was like he was born of my rib. I mean, everything I told him to do, he understood. Like, he's a second brain to me, and he was instantly on board, like everything. He's just a phenomenal guy. Um, very talented and, uh, you know, we've, I've interviewed a bunch since then and there's not been many like him. So, uh, you can get that, you can have that home run hit. I think there's a lot of it has to do with me too, because when I brought my VA and I brought him just as a regular basic telemarketer, that was all his job was to be, but I have a, I had a training curriculum and a telemarketing manual and I spent a lot of time training him and then onboarding him into my customer management software and as I was doing all this thing, all these things, my mind started to create all these ideas on how I could utilize him. 
and we started to really integrate it, which I think gave him a bunch of confidence in the fact that I had so much confidence in him. He didn't know that I was just um, uh, inherently, you know, a fat, lazy Mexican that wanted to get some of this work off my plate. He thought I was actually a businessman that was really had all these great ideas, and he took them that way, and he went and he rolled with them, and he would put together like the things that I would would vocalize he would put together and put on paper and um it was very good so i think it was really you know uh, i'm being funny and i'm being humble but and i'm also giving being complimentary to him but hiring a va was probably one of the best decisions i ever made as as far as um being able to see that it's not just me so he was enable he was actually able to produce things that i didn't have time to produce that i knew that i needed for a long time and he's continued to do that, and it grew so fast that it spawned another company. Uh, now we have a telemarketing business uh, where we create cold calling culture for companies, um, and we've got clients, and it grew into something. So that's how our my first experience ever with the VA went. The two subsequent VAs, one was to replace him, and he's not the same as the first guy. He's strictly a telemarketer. At this point, uh, we'll see if he can grow into maybe a telemarketing leader. But right now he's doing his job. But then I also hired an executive assistant. And the executive assistant just started with us. Uh, but uh, we interviewed, I interviewed, or we listened, to, I listened to 40 recordings, narrowed it down to a certain amount of people, I think eight. Of the eight people, everybody sounded the same in the interview. They all wanted to be the best for us and they wanted to help grow our company. And I gave them an assignment to tell me what they would do with our social media department if I was to hand them over the social media department and everybody said, well, I'm going to do this and do that. Well, this one person did a 17-page slideshow uh, breaking down every single different part of the social media and explained exactly how we would go about attacking each platform with music in the background. She poached pictures from my Facebook and all my <laughs> logos and turned it into a full-blown toned home presentation it looked like she worked for me for 20 years and went and did everything i needed to do and that was an assignment when she wasn't even hired so she she won the job and now she's my executive assistant and and uh you'll find some really so i, I said at first oh i'll never find another dennis but then we found iral and who knows who we'll find if we yeah, keep I've looking. got several of those myself. We talk about home runs. I've hit kind of one after another. Yeah. A friend of mine uh, who hired recently, he's just the same thing. He's like, he hired this guy. I think he pulled the trigger like on a Thursday or a Friday, and he was due to start on the following Monday. He spent the whole weekend doing a whole bunch of stuff for this guy to get him ready for the Monday when he actually started his job. And he's been, he's been over the moon excited about the the progress made. So... We do pretty good. And to your point, I mean, we had 40-some people that screening. So when you go through our process, we find a whole bunch of talent. And then we start that screening process. But by the time it even gets to you, we've done some screening. Mm -hmm. And then you help with the screening because it's flavor, right? It's what you want. And then we just continue to refine that process. So it makes it kind of easy. Well, that's, I think, something that people definitely underestimate and I've heard a couple times, oh, well, I could probably just go and find a VA. But I don't think they think about that screening process, the amount of interviewing that goes on, and then just the, the nuances of hiring someone yourself versus having someone whose job it is 
to find the right fit for you and then also create the culture of accountability and help that that you guys do because a VA that you hire just by yourself, they're they're out alone. They work from home. They don't have any coworkers. It's You're just so you right. and them. I mean, it's not just VAs, Heather. It's every employee, whether it's overseas or here, business owners are professional failure makers. Hmm. We set up people to fail. Um, 90, 90 plus when I, you know, they say that it's 85% of all statistics are made up, right? Um, <laughs> but more than 90% of the time, um, we set people up for failure. I have hired so many people and set them up for failure. It's in, it's uh, inconceivable because because I've been hiring since I was 19 years old. I became uh, a manager in a company that just had me hire all day long and fire all day long for four years straight when I was 19. And I just look back at those days at how incredibly bad I was at that job. And by the way, I was ranked number 56 out of 150 in the country. So I was, and that was from a zero point. So, I mean, I thought I was doing great. But looking back, I mean, all those poor people that I hired and fired, I mean, it's just brutal. Well, and that's another thing. I mean, I talk to people all the time. And my question is, how do you know your employees are winning every day? And if you can't, define that then I guarantee they can't define that either so how do we get to the point where it's black and white it doesn't need to be some ethereal thing oh they're doing a good job means almost nothing to me and I always ask that what does a good job mean well how did that very clearly be shown because if I was working a job which at this point I don't think I could go back to working a job I've been been on my own for too long I'd be the worst (laughs) employee um but I've been put in that position I I was 25 running a two million dollar division of the company had no idea what i was doing just hope wing and prayer and natural ability and i had no idea what it meant to do a good job and when i asked i was not given a clear answer and i i mean i count that as one of my big failures because it did not feel good to go into work every day and not know how to win well the vas that that um like with mark's point on the vas um, you know, Krukus has a support team that, um, you know, follows through, asks questions, follows up with the client, does a bunch of little detailed things that, you know, again, you made a great point. You know, people say a lot, well, I, you know, I, why would I need you to hire a VA? Cause they've looked online people who are aware of VAs, which is like this, it's like 50, 50, right? Maybe mm-hmm. you've heard of some, maybe you haven't, but people who have heard of VAs and have researched VAs know how easy it is to hire a VA. But there's a word missing, and that's successful, right? Yeah, that's right. Hiring a VA does not guarantee hiring a successful VA or having a successful mm-hmm. VA experience. We should put into Krukus's advertising, we will hire you a successful VA because <laughs> that's, that's what you don't get when you do it on your own because you don't have a hiring team and a follow-up team on to the client and a follow-up team behind the scenes and a bunch of people that know how to do this that can help – that person along the way there's just so many uh, so upside and I, i'll wrap it up i don't take too long but i'll wrap it up with this like you know you hear people in my in the remodeling business talk about you know if they I, I tell them well we do windows we do doors we do patios we do rooms we do kitchens we do bathrooms they'll be like oh you're a jack of all trades and then all of a sudden my red flames come out of my ears i'm not a jack of all trades we're a master of all trades right because i hire a floor person to do floors or an AC person to do ACs. And they see people have master certifications and the flooring people have master certifications. So we're a master of all trades. Now, in when it comes to VAs, let's just say hiring. Hiring is its own 
very specific skill. There's a lot of little tactics and questions and things that you need to know. For instance, giving them assignments to let them showcase their talent, which Mark does with the uh, marketing, the social media marketing people, which I did with my executive assistant, um, which we do, you know, having, giving them assignments. Those are things that don't occur to everybody. And that's just one. We'll, we'll share that secret. But there's a lot of secrets, not even secrets. There's just a lot of things that we do that make RVAs more successful than you doing it on your own. And and you really need, you know, in Spanish they say el zapatero a sus zapatos for all the Mexican Americans that are listening. But that's the shoemaker to his shoes, right? Let the person do what they're good at, yeah. you know. Cool. All right, we are out of time though. We got to wrap it up. But uh, thanks for the the insight on that. It's not quite as easy as maybe think people think it is. I know Imad, you work pretty hard um, at your hiring your staff as well. So. Um, all right, as we wrap up the show, quick reminder, check out our latest podcast or catch video version of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us. You guys have a great week. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Good. Thanks, Mark.